Welcome to SWAP, the Studio Southwest Architects podcast. I'm your host, Megan Mickey, and together we'll explore industry trends, architectural ideals, and discuss all things design. In today's episode, Design Shifts in Architecture, One Year After a Pandemic, we'll discuss what we've learned and which architectural trends are here to stay. Today's guest is Donna Marion, an architect and project manager at Studio Southwest Architects. She is the originator of an in-house brown bag lunch discussion series that took place at the start of the COVID-19 stay-at-home order last year. This series, which was subsequently taken up as a program series by AIA's Albuquerque chapter, explored the possible design shifts in architecture, engineering, landscape architecture, and furniture design that would be expected because of the then-growing pandemic. Today, nearly one year later, we're talking to Donna again, only this time we're discussing what we've learned and any design shifts that are here to stay in a post-pandemic world. Thank you, Donna, for being our first swap guest. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. So I want to start out a discussion by asking what inspired you to start the series? Well, as an architect, I believe that the built environment plays a really huge role in people's health, safety, and well-being, and that we have a responsibility to care for people through our design And so naturally, when the pandemic hit, my mind went to what can we as design professionals do to be proactive during the pandemic, Um, even though at the time we didn't know a lot about the disease, uh, it still seemed sensible to get the conversation going so that we could be developing best practices. And this started as a brown bag lunch within our office just for the sake of starting that discussion and then developed into something more as we brought in Um, experts from other fields as well, just to really think of what can we do to make other people's lives better during this really challenging time. So in conversations with clients over this past year, do you see their priorities shifting? Do discussions focus on current use or visualize the post-pandemic world? Well, the answer really is Yes and no kind of depends on the client. Uh, Clients who are maintaining and upgrading existing facilities, yes, 100%. They are concerned with the here and the now, and their focus is very pragmatic. How do we keep things clean so that we can have students safely, students and staff safely use the space? Um, You know, maybe I'm a landlord and I'm um, trying to lease a new tenant space because a lot of offices are downsizing now that remote working is becoming more prevalent. Well, I want to have immediate needs that suit those people. And then you can see sometimes with longer term projects like some of these larger government facilities or university facilities even that I've had various roles in, um, that they're really seeing the pandemic as a short term need to be addressed, but not with the full immediacy of folks who have existing buildings. So we are being asked to consider things like how would social distancing work in your design, but we aren't necessarily being asked to design to that protocol if the construction is maybe a few years down the road. That sounds like something that may stick around, you know, the the size of the queue or some of the standards that you see in commercial spaces for allocating Um, you know, congregation areas. 
So it's interesting that you don't necessarily have to design for that, but how could you shift? How can the design be flexible enough to accommodate? I think flexible is exactly the right word. Really, clients are asking, how would we use this in a pandemic environment? But there's a, a built-in optimism to their question, which is design it so that you could use it to full capacity because we hope that we will be there someday. But in worst case scenario, will it still work if we have to maintain the same protocol we do now? What design shifts are you seeing in architecture? And how much is a reprioritization of good design practices that are already in place? So I think there is a philosophical shift towards well-being where, where folks are starting to um, place a greater emphasis on things like daylighting views, acoustics, where these have always been good design principles and they've been really important in things like schools or, you know, other environments with a more sensitive population. Hospitals, for instance, you know, there's a lot of research tying wellness and recovery time to good design, essentially, again, regarding light, sound, and views. But there have been, you know, instances like in residential design where maybe these weren't prioritized because the thinking was, well, you can leave your home and go outside. You can use these public amenities. And now that we're in a different environment where, um, yeah, you can go outside, but you're spending so much time inside that you want that environment to support your wellness. I think that's an example of design priorities really being elevated. So it's always been good design practice to include these things, but now folks, particularly in maybe more dense urban areas where space is more of an issue, um, are starting to really give these things the emphasis that they deserve. Remote working is also a huge piece in that a lot of companies are realizing they can save cost by having a smaller facility space. So we're seeing a lot of small-scale office renovations or folks moving into smaller spaces because they're going to be encouraging their employees to be working remotely either part-time or in some cases having a lot of full-time remote employees and not needing that extra desk or office space. Uh, so really becoming a, an efficiency or cost savings issue there. So in your opinion, which building types will have the most long-lasting design changes? So retail and commercial is an interesting example because those entities aren't thinking so much about long-term. They're thinking about the here and now, particularly things like restaurants where um, the sort of lifespan of a restaurant renovation is quite short. And so the idea that it might be renovated at the beginning and at the end of the pandemic is not necessarily unreasonable because of the short time spans that they operate on. So we're seeing a lot of immediate changes there related to very pragmatic things, outdoor seating, spacing out indoor seating so it can be as efficient as possible, but still maintaining the six foot protocol that we need. Um, making things more accessible by car. So um had a conversation about a longer, slightly longer term project, but it involved um, retail and a plaza. And the consideration was making sure there's enough curbside pickup locations built into the planning. And, and so that if uh, 
really thinking about the vehicular access. And if you aren't able to use the interior space, are you still going to be able to get a high enough traffic flow to make that business model work? What insight do you have regarding impacts on other disciplines and their design shifts? I think this is a great question, uh, particularly as an architect, you are uh, needing to manage an interdisciplinary team. And so it's very important to keep a good understanding on what everyone else is wrangling with so that when you're trying to come up with design solutions that you're really integrating ones that work with a bunch of different disciplines together. So let's give a few examples. So let's take landscape architecture, which I think is really being elevated at this point in time. Uh, (laughs) Perhaps ironically, never have we seen so many people outside running or hiking or enjoying public parks as when they were all told they had to stay at home. So (laughs) folks are really appreciating public space and seeing the important role that it plays in their lives. And, uh, and I think in their case, it's not so much a shift in design practice, although there are some, but more a greater appreciation for their role so they're able to elevate their design practice. By contrast, take MEP, Mechanical Electrical Plumbing Engineers. The changes that we're seeing there tend to be very pragmatic, very specific. You're, you're dealing with touchless fixtures or How do you handle airflow so that you're able to clean it and filter it while still maintaining occupant comfort and also minimizing energy use? These are all really in tension with one another because the greater the airflow, the more cleanliness and the safer and cleaner the space is. But then you have to work really hard to condition that so that it's still comfortable for human use. And then if we look at interiors and furniture design, you know, they're really dealing with Uh, how the human body fits and works and operates in a space. And so they're proposing all kinds of innovative solutions for how furniture systems can allow people to work safely together and make the most use of the space they have available to them. So we're seeing new product lines come through, uh, new design configurations where desks are being staggered in interesting ways so that you can still have a number of people, say, working in an office or in an essential place of business, but able to do so safely through the use of these different layouts and equipment. You've mentioned the collaboration of these different disciplines and projects. And I know that a lot of architectural design is driven by standardized codes and for many other disciplines as well. Do you foresee changes to codes and standards given these longer lasting design changes you've observed? Well, to answer that, we really need to think about the time scale on which the, these codes get developed. So codes take a while to adopt new changes uh, oftentimes. And so a new code comes out maybe every three years or so. And that's just when the code gets published. In terms of when municipalities actually adopt these codes, it's every several code cycles. So if we're keeping that time span in mind, really you're seeing a new code being adopted by every six to nine or more years. That's quite a long time frame. And uh, even though it feels like we have been in the pandemic forever, we aren't operating on nearly that long of a time scale. And so for that reason, I don't really think we're going to start seeing code changes that are mandating different design processes just because we're really not operating in the same time span. 
I think there's also an aspect of what the public perception of built space is in terms of whether that would be reflected in the code. Codes were originally created in large part for fire protection due to the Chicago fire or consider seismic codes that have been uh, really brought to the forefront of public attention during things like the earthquake in Christchurch. And so these events really centered around the built environment playing a significant role in life or death situations. And I don't think you're seeing that kind of public perception of the built environment regarding the pandemic. You mentioned light and views earlier. Do you think architects will shift their design methodology to reflect even more light and views, or is that a common practice now, given the focus on sustainable design? For this question, we should start by giving a little bit of historical context, because previous pandemics have influenced architectural design in various ways. So take the 1918 pandemic. That was really one of the facets that ushered in modernism. And the reason is that the treatment of disease during that time had a very strong environmental component to it. Treatment involved fresh air, natural light. And there's also an aspect of hygiene and cleanliness that really started to be forefronted. Architecture before this time period was more ornate. It had more nooks and crannies where, say, dust could gather. It was harder to clean. And so the perception was that these spaces were enabling the greater spread of disease. Uh, there was actually this popular catchphrase, um, 30 years in darkness, 30 seconds in light, which was really hitting home the idea that if you could expose uh, these germs to light, uh, that it could kill them quite quickly and you would really aid in the cleanliness of that space. And so with that philosophy and, again, that appreciation of the built environment playing a role in wellness, that's when you started to see these larger open windows, bringing in a lot more light, bringing in more views. And then instead of these more ornate, detailed aspects to the design, these really simple, smooth surfaces, sharp corners, things that are very easy to clean and maintain. So a lot of those have been tenants of good design since that point in history. But I wouldn't expect that in the same way our current pandemic would be ushering in, say, a new typology, because there's not really a new perception of how the environment is impacting human health. I don't think we'll be seeing more views or, or more sharp corners or anything. And I think also the public perception of buildings role is also different. When we're talking about combating the pandemic, we're really talking either about pharmaceutical efforts, vaccine rollouts, developments in various treatments, or we're talking about behavioral modifications. So social distancing, wearing masks, things that individuals can do uh, to empower themselves and others to stay healthy. So I think the combination of not bringing in new ideas about building design and the role of medical practice and the fact that it's not really being talked about on the same level, we won't be seeing a new typology ushered in, but we may be seeing other kinds of different design shifts in the future. So for my last question today, um, I'd like to know your thoughts on the lasting effects of the pandemic on the client's side of things. Do you have any insight there? Well, I do think there's a pattern there. 
ultimately it seems like entities are responding to the pandemic in proportion to how accountable they feel. So let's take retail, which we discussed earlier. Retailers are extremely accountable in the sense that it's totally up to you if you take your business there and they absolutely want your loyalty as a customer. So they're completely accountable to you. And so that's why we're seeing a complete transformation in how we're engaging with retailers through ordering completely online or through their apps or curbside pickup or contactless delivery. They're really bending over backwards because it's such a challenging time for them to make sure that they're continuing with their business model. And so that's being reflected in everything from administration through to their facilities. Uh, Another example is schools. So schools are highly accountable to children and their parents. Parents have a very strong voice in uh, schools in terms of how decisions get made. And so that's where you're seeing a lot of the technologies being implemented, like UV lights that are cleaning the ductwork at night when no one's in the building and things like that. It's because they are needing to continue operating and they're very accountable to a vulnerable population in the case of kids and a very vocal population in the case of parents. On the flip side, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of lasting design effects on single residential, uh, single family homes, because in that case, it's entirely client driven and really depends on what the individual needs. So you're not going to have the sort of broad scale generalities in design shifts because everyone's really only accountable to themselves in that particular scenario. So I think it's going to be a whole spectrum that, again, just really boils down to how accountable is this particular entity, and that should reflect in proportionally how strong they're responding. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a very interesting conversation. Um, I hope to have you back on another episode talking about other interesting topics. So thanks, Donna. It's been a pleasure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. If you'd like to hear more on this subject, register for the March 9th IFMA New Mexico chapter presentation titled Adapting Design, Insight Gained from a Pandemic, where Donna will be moderating a panel discussion on this topic. For more information, visit ifmanm.org.